theyeshiva.net. Good morning, everybody. Bruchim Haboyim, welcome to this two-part series. The first shear this morning, and Be'ezer Hashem, the second part of the series will be this evening, 9 o'clock p.m. If you haven't yet opened the source sheets, please do that, because this is going to be a text-based class. If you go to theyeshiva.net, T-H-E-Y-E-S-H-I-V-A.net, you will see the first class, the video on the homepage, Hadrin Amasachis Yuma, and over there you could view the source sheets or below the video download the source sheet so you'll be able to follow inside. Why get married? What does marriage do for you? Why did the Kayim Gadol on Yim Kippur have to be a married man? Why did Rabbi Yossi call his wife my home? Why did Rabbi Akiva attribute his entire success to his wife? This and some fascinating, other fascinating concepts is what we are going to be exploring. We're going to be learning a Hadron, a Meseches Yuma by the Lubavitcher Rebbe. In fact, many Jews just started to learn Mesech Yuma, hundreds of thousands of Jews, maybe more, started to learn B'Sha'atayvah Mutzlachas Mesech Yuma just a few days ago, and are going to complete it in a few months. So it's really very appropriate, and it's, of course, the Parsha of the week. This is a siyum that the Lubavitcher Rebbe made on Yuma at the yard site, on the yard site of his mother, 50 years ago. Vav Tishrei Tavshel Lamed Aleph, his mother's yard site is the sixth day of Tishrei, this is 50 years ago, 1970. The Lubavitcher Rebbe would make approximately six or seven public siyumim during the year at Fabrengens, sometimes a siyum on the whole shas, and sometimes a siyum on individual mesechta. 50 years ago on Vav Tishrei, he made a beautiful siyum on mesechta Yuma, focusing both on the beginning of the mesechta, the first Mishnah, and the last Mishnah. The first part of the Sikha of the Rebbe, which is published in Lakuti Sikhs volume 17, Parshas Achirei and of course Parshas Achirei is directly connected because Parshas Achirei is the parsha that deals with Yom Kippur, and Mesechta Yuma, Yuma means the day, Yom, the day. Mesechta Yuma is the tractate in Mishnayis and Gemara dedicated to the one day, Achaz Bashana, to Yom Kippur, Yuma. So therefore, it's printed in Lakuti Sikhs volume 17, Parshas Achirei Project Lakuti Sikhs, they're learning the Sikha this week. So we're going to be focusing on the beginning of Yuma, the first half of the Shir, that's this morning, and the second half, the end of Yuma, the Siyum of Yuma, is going to be the second Shir this evening at 9. Let's get straight into it. Open up your source sheets. You see on top it says Achere. There's a little star that says there, Siyum Mesech Yuma Sivav Eilech. And let's begin, Siif Aleph. In the Heintik Parsha, by the Ravayda von Kohen Gadol B'Yom HaKippurim, Shteit v'chipper ba'adoi u ba'ad beisoi. Darshan and chazal beisoi zu ishtoi. Umalenen der funop dem din as de koengadu b'yem akipurim muzayin anosu. In Parshas Achirimais, we discuss the avayda, the service of the high priest on Yim Kippur. There's an interesting expression, the Pasuk says, he shall atone for himself and for his beisoi, for his home. This is the expression in Achirimais, tazayin, Leviticus chapter 16, verse 6. I translate in English, even though many of you know, of course, the original, so that everybody who's joining us should be able to understand. 
So it says that he should atone for himself and for his home. What does it mean for his home? His physical home? So Chazal, our sages say, his home refers to his wife. This is the opening Mishnah of Masech Yuma. And from here we learn, that the Torah is telling us that the Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur has to be a married man. And as he says in footnote 3, Rabbi Yehuda says, even if he's married, you have to prepare a second wife, just in case Shema Tamos Ishta. Maybe his wife Khalila can pass away and will be stuck Yom Kippur without a wife and he won't be able to do the Avaydi Yom Kippur. That's how serious it is. The Chachamim disagree because they say, hey, what if the second one dies? In other words, we, we, do, we are not concerned about rare situations that Mamish, right before on Yom Kippur, she's going to die. It's very unusual and rare and, of course, a great tragedy. So the Chachamim are not concerned. But everyone holds that he has to be married, he has to have one wife. The Toysvis Yeshanim in Meseches Yuma, at the beginning of Yuma, even wonders perhaps that it's Ma'akiv B'dievet. In other words, it may disqualify if the Kohen Gadol is not married, if he's a bachelor, if he's a bacher, maybe a wonderful, wonderful man, or a widower, he's not married. He, the, the avoid, the service of Yom Kippur, may be possible, may be disqualified, which is, which is unbelievable. The Tzitzvah Yishonim has a suffix. Do you, for, do you need it, but it still won't disqualify the avoid? Or maybe it's, the, it's, it's a dinli kuva. In other words, it would disqualify the avoid. That's the extreme. This obligation of the Kohen Gadol to be married is a special law that was said about Yom Kippur, not the rest of the year. All the other days of the year, the Kohen Gadol, of course, can do the work, can be participant, part of the Avaidah. Not only that, he can join. The Kohenim were divided into 24 units, 24 groups. Each Mishmar had a week. So every Kohen basically served in the Beis HaMikdash two or three weeks out of the year. The rest of the year they would learn, they would train, they would, they would teach. But every Kayan had his Mishmar. The Kayan Gadol, the high priest, he can join any Mishmar he wants and he could become part of the, any Avaida, any service. I want to do, I want to be Makr of Chelek He gets the opportunity. This is the expression of the Mishnah in Mesech the Yumadaf Yudalad. Some people are learning it this week. Makr of Chelek He gets to offer a portion, any portion he wants as the first one. But there's no condition that, that for the Avaida, to be qualified, to be kosher, or at least to be optimal, he has to be married. That's only on Yom Kippur. Now it's interesting, as he says in put, footnote 5, there's a mitzvah essay, who isha bifsulah yikach, in Parshish Emer, the Rambam brings in Hilchis Surebiya, the Rambam in Sefer HaMitzvah, there's a mitzvah that a kohen gadol should marry a naira psula, should marry a young woman who's a psula, who's a virgin, that's a mitzvah. But the truth is, Many opinions, Taisvis Yeshanim, Taisvis Harash, all put, all, all in footnote five, say that it's a lav habamiklala seh, which means it's not a positive commandment that he has to be married. He's just not allowed to marry somebody who has been married before, some abu'ullah, somebody who had relationships before. That's the mitzvah. He's not allowed to be engaged in a marriage with somebody who's not a nairapsula. However, there is another opinion that there is a kumva seh, that the Kohen Gadol has to marry a nairapsula as he brings in the footnote. But nonetheless, it's a mitzvah on the Kohen Gadol. Nobody's going to say that this disqualifies the Avaidah, that if the Kohen Gadol is not married, it somehow 
impacts the avoid that avoid is not good. It's a mitzvah on the kain gadol. One of the mitzvahs he has is that he, according to this opinion that he has to marry a nairip psula. But it's, as he says in the footnote, Pashach is a mitzvah says, it's dodis amutalus al kangadu venza shayeches la avoida. It's not an obligation. In order to do the avoida, you have to be married. It's a mitzvah on the kangad. And if he's not married, he still does the avoida, and the avoida is good. He's taken missing a mitzvah, even according to the second opinion. The Sefer Achinuch, in fact, writes that this is after he does the avoida that he has the mitzvah. So that means the avoida before that can be done even if he's not married. On Yom Kippur, there's a special, unique mitzvah, that for the avoida of Yom Kippur, he has to be married. This seems strange. It needs explanation. The avoida for Yom Kippur is the betachlis ha'iloi. So kommen sich zusammen der hechste Darges von Gedusha. Hennen Mokem, hennen Zman, hennen der Darges von Hashem Yisrael. Besignen ha Yedua Oilam Shana Nefesh. Da Voide wird getan in Kedusha Kedusha Mokem Achim HaKadosh Ba'olam. In Yom HaKadosh wird es wird angerufen befikol der heiligste Zman von Yad. Und es wird getan durch ein Kain Gadol, der Gadol von Kol HaKainem. Und wenn man es steht, war Yevdel Aden La Gedusha Kedusha Kedusha. Gadol Mem Eich Begedusha. Let's think about Yom Kippur. What is Yom Kippur? Yom Kippur is a convergence of all the three components of holiness that exist in reality. They come together. The three deepest, most powerful expressions of holiness. You have an expression, Oilam Shana Nefesh. On these three concepts, the whole Sefi Yitzir is built. Oilam is space, Shana is time, and Nefesh is the soul, the spirit. Every, every experience is a convergence of, I am here in this time, in this space. If you think about Yom Kippur, that's when the service is done in the holiest space of the world, the spiritual epicenter of the world. Kodesh HaKadoshim, which means the holy of holies. We have at the Mishnah in Caleb, Esek Dusha saying there's many levels of holiness. You have within Eretz Yisrael levels of holiness. Eretz Yisrael, there's Yerushalayim. Within Yerushalayim, there's the Harabayis, etc. What's the deepest space oasis of Kedusha? Kodesh HaKadoshim. And there's only once a year when the service to Hashem is done in that space. When is it done? The holiest day of the year. It's called Yom HaKadosh. That's the name that Jews... Call it the only day, call it the holy day, because it's the holiest day. And who does it? The Kayan Gadol. The Pasik says about the Kayan Gadol, Hashem separated Aaron, Lavdiloy, Kaidish Kadashim. Just like there's Kaidish Kadashim in space, there's Kaidish Kadashim in time, there's Kaidish Kadashim in people. That's the Kayan Gadol. That's a whole year. The Kayan Gadol is the holiest, Kaidish Kadashim is the holiest, and Kippur is the holiest. But one day a year they all come together. So you can understand the nuclear explosion of holiness that exists on that day and during the avoid of that day. It's unique to have this convergence of space, time, and soul. Oilam, shana, nefesh is unique. So why is it then that on this day when the focus is on ultimate holiness and ultimate transcendence, there is this obligation of the Kohen Gadol has to be married. Marriage is a wonderful thing. I think we all agree. Marriage grounds you. Marriage is about responsibility. Marriage, you have to be concerned about somebody else, not only about yourself. You have to make sure that the couple together takes care of each other. But marriage is part of earthly life. 
Yom Kippur is a day of, of, of holiness, of transcendence. In fact, relations, physical relations, husband and wife, are one of the things, the end of the chapter 8 of Yom, it's one of the five things we don't do in Yom Kippur. We don't eat, we don't drink, we don't bathe, we don't anoint ourselves with oils, and we don't engage in, in, in intimacy. Yom Kippur is the day, not just of holiness, of extraordinary holiness. It's even more strange. The opening of Mesechus Yom is seven days before Yom Kippur. You take the Kohen Gadol away from his home. He's isolated. He's in quarantine because they want to make sure that he would be in an environment of absolute purity. The same Mishnah says, but he has to be married. So the preparation for Yom Kippur is to leave your home. In other words, to separate from your marriage. Seven days, he's going to come back. After Yom Kippur, he's going to go back home. And nonetheless, we have our paradox. The same Mishnah tells us, you're right. To prepare for Yom Kippur, you've got to leave your home. And yet, in order to be able to do on Yom Kippur what you have to do. You have to have a home. The fun is a heichacha. Ados was the kain gadol be ema kipurim muzayin an nosoi liknir in an inyan miyuchad was gitzu in the shleimus from kain gadol. On the far father tzeches from kain gadol be ema kipurim. So you have to say that this halach, this mitzvah. That the kain gadol on Yom Kippur must be a married man, and it's essential to his role on Yom Kippur, is because this does something for the Kayin Gadol. It adds a certain dimension, a certain perfection, a certain wholesomeness in the Kayin Gadol, and that's why the rest of the year we don't need it from the Kayin Gadol. But on Yom Kippur we need it, as he will explain. To understand what we're saying... This halacha that a kain godly and kippah has to be married can be explained or defined in two ways. Aleph, das is a din in der Aveide von yem kippah. Mitzadach shivus and ili von der Aveide, da hav sie getan werden nicht durch a kain stam, nor durch a kain godl. Und nicht durch a kain godl stam, nor davke durch a kain godl, was hatten sich de meile von beise zu ishtay. It's a halacha, it's a din, it's a gather in the Aveide of yem kippah. In other words, the service in the Mishkan of the Beis HaMikdash on Yom Kippur has something unique about it. It's an elevated type of Avaid. It's unique because it atones for the Jewish people. It's the holiest day of the year. So because of the chashivus, because of the significance, the unique significance of the service of Yom Kippur, the Torah says you can't have a regular Kayin. Every day, the service, the Avaid didn't have to be done through the Kayin Gadol. It had to be done through a Kayin. At least most of the things, but not the Kayin Gadol. Any Kayin is fine. Yom Kippur, we see, no. The Avoidah that says in clearly in Parshas Achirimah is that Aaron HaKoyin has to do it. He's the Kayin Gadol, not his children. And in generations later, the high priest has to do it. Why? So you answer, because this is a special Avoidah. This Avoidah Yom Kippur, in the holiest place, the holiest day, has to be done by the holiest person. Okay, got it. So now we go a step further. Not just a regular Kayin Gadol, a Kayin Gadol who has an extra quality, an extra special mila, an extra virtue, Beisizuishta. But it's a din in the Avoida. It's the Avoida of Yom Kippur that warrants this. That's one way of learning it. Beis, you could say no. This is a din in the Kayin Gadol. It's not a din in the Avoida. The Avoida demands it. It's a din in the Kayin Gadol. The type of person 
who does the Avoid on Yom Kippur has to be a married person. We'll see what the difference is, what's the practical difference. In the Tog for Yom Kippur, Muzder Kayin Gadol Zayin in a Hechera Maylon Shlemus. Al Derech Vimigifin in Kama Vekama Dargis in a Kayin Gadol Bechlal Eich Bechal Hashana. Meshuch Bashem and Amishche, Merub Begadim, Vekayetsubaza. As Eich Bim Kippur, that by Im Tsukum and Eicha de Maylon Shlemus Naisefes from Bases Uishte. Yom Kippur, the Kayin Gadol needs to be in a different state. We have different levels of a Kohen Gadol throughout the, year, throughout the year. For example, there was a Kohen Gadol who was anointed with the oil, the special anointing oil that was created by Moshe Rabbeinu. But then at some point in Jewish history, in the time of Yoshio, around 150 years before the destruction of the first base of Mikdash, Yoshio, the king, hid the Shem and As the Gemara explains in Yuma, Mishnah and Gemara in Yuma, and the, and the Rambam in Hilchis Beis Abchir, Perik Dalet, the Shem and was hidden. What did they do in the second base of Mikdash? They anointed Kohenim Gedolim, but not with oil. However, he wore eight garments instead of four. So it's different levels of a Kayin Gadol. So you could say Yim Kippur, the Kayin Gadol needs to be elevated. And how is he elevated? Somebody who has this perfection of being married, basically. So one way of looking at it is, it's a din in the Avoida, or it's a din in the Kayin Gadol. What's the difference? The Nathkem in its vision, the Tzvei Svaris, Lahalacha. When the Rebbe said this, he said that the Rebbe used to say, and used to teach, that whenever you make a chkir in yeshivas, they love me, you know, every chkir is, it's a din in this, it's a din in this, it's a din in this, it's a din in this. He said, how do you know, how do you know if you're actually splitting a here, or you're actually explaining and dissecting fundamentally the halacha. So you have to have a nafkamen. You have to show me the practical ramifications if you look at it this way or that way. Because if not, people, you know, Jews, with their cerebral minds, he said, you take a here and you split it into two. Okay, Gavaldik, you're a genius. But stop splitting a here into two. The here doesn't have to be split. So are we just trying to split here or are we trying to actually explain something? So he says, let's see the nafkamen. There's a big difference. What's the nafkamen? The nafkamen is written in the Svei Svaris in Yom Kippur, is anah dechfran oich de'avoydus was metut ze yedin tog. Well, chazan nit gebunden dafke met Yom Kippur. Akravas atmid de maktores k'teres atavas aneres v'chuli was oich zevern be Yom Kippurim getandaruch in kain gadol. Is agam as the gedusha for Yom Kippur is poil oich ev de'avoydus was anah nit Yom Kippur Yom Kippur dikeb b'miyuchad ukaloshin hagemara zvachim tzadik aleph ahanoi. Yom Kippur, there were many things that were done in the Beisamitr that were not connected to Yom Kippur. They were done every day. The offering of the sheep in the morning and the sheep in the afternoon, the carbon tamid, burning of the incense, not in the Holy of Holies, in the Hech. Cleaning up the menorah, or lighting the menorah. These things were done on Yom Kippur as well, just like they were done every day. 
And they're usually done through the Kohen Gadol. As the Rambam says, they were done through the Kohen Gadol. However, not everybody agrees. As he brings in the footnotes, the Kesef Mishnah brings the view of the Ramban that some of the Avodas were not done through the Kohen Gadol. Now, the Kedusha of Yom Kippur affects all of the Avodas that you do. That's what the Gemara says. But nonetheless, you can't compare the Avodas that were done specially for Yom Kippur and the Avodas that was done every day, including Yom Kippur. So here's the difference. If you hold that the reason the Kohen Gadol has to be married is a din in the Avodah of Yom Kippur, so then it's logical, you can at least, you can at least propose the idea that the Avodahs that are not connected to Yom Kippur, the Kohen Gadol doesn't have an obligation to be married by those Avodahs. In other words, if he does those Avodahs and he's not married, those Avodahs are good. They're kosher. They're completely valid. Why? Because it's a din in the Avodah of Yom Kippur. It's the Avodah of Yom Kippur that warrants a deeper level in the Kohen Gadol who's married. Avodah that's not a Yom Kippur de Kavodah, even though it's also impacted by Yom Kippur because it's part of the day. But it's still part of the routine. So just like every day you don't need a Kohen Gadol, you don't, certainly don't need a Kohen Gadol who's married. So Yom Kippur, even if the Kohen Gadol is not married, there's no Chiyof. But if you say that it's not a din in the Avodah of Yom Kippur, it's a din in the Kohen Gadol, the Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur needs this. So then, you would say that the chiyuv of the Kohen Gadol being married is even the other avoidus. Because it's not, it's not about the avoid of Yom Kippur. It's about the Kohen Gadol. The Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur needs to be somebody who is married. And it's the same Kohen Gadol from the beginning of the day till the end of the day. The Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur has to be this type of Kohen Gadol. The Rambam says clearly that all the avoidus of this day Burning the incense, cleaning up the menorah has to be done by Kayin Gadol Nasui, a married Kayin Gadol. This is Rambam Hilchas Avodas Yemakipurim in the beginning of chapter one, Peder Kalaf Alachabase. The Rambam emphasized not only has to be done by Kayin Gadol, but Kayin Gadol Nasui. All the Avodas need a Kayin Gadol who's married. Why? Because it's a din in this. It seems from the Rambam it's a din in the Kayin Gadol. The Shagasari, he brings in footnote 12, the Shagasari. Rabbi Ari Leib Ginsburg, the Rav of, of uh, Rosh Hashiv of Minsk, Volozhin, and then later Metz, France, known as the Shagasari, he has a Sefer on Yuma called Gvurasari. So he says in footnote 12, the Gvurasari even speculates that maybe Kohen only has to be married when he brings the ox, the bull, to atone for himself and his family. When he brings the two goats, there were two goats that were offered, they weren't for him. Over there it doesn't say bad base, and maybe over there he doesn't have to be married. In other words, the Shagasai, the, the Gvurasari wonders, maybe even in things of Yom Kippur, there's some avoidance he doesn't have to be married. He goes even deeper. But here, the Lubavitcher Rebbe is making a general chkira. If the other avoidance not connected to Yom Kippur per se have the same halacha that the Kohen Gadol has to be married, maybe not. Maybe they don't have to have the Kohen Gadol be married. As we said, some Rishonim hold, you don't even need a Kohen Gadol. Some things you don't even need a Kohen Gadol. Why? Because it's not Yom Kippur. It's not, it's, it's Yom Kippur. It's not the avoid of Yom Kippur. Certainly you don't need a Kohen Gadol who's married. Even if he does everything, if he's not married at one point, let's say Chas V'Shalom, towards the end of the day, his wife passes away. So the carbon Tumid at the end of the day doesn't have a wife. Is it kosher or not kosher? So here's the question. If it's a din in the avoid of Yom Kippur, you could say it's fine. This is not the avoid of Yom Kippur. If it's a din in the Kohen Gadol, the Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur, has to be Nasri, so then it's the same Kohen God. So the Rambam is telling us that it's a din in the Kohen Gadol. 
Now the question is, what's, 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 what's the big deal? What does this do to the Kohen God? Interesting question. When the Rebbe said this, he said that in yeshivas they usually don't ask this question, but it's an important question. Why does the Torah have to be ambiguous? Instead of saying, say, what do you have to say? And then Chazal have to explain, Beisai is your wife. It's not like you're gaining space. Beisai and Ishtai are both one word. <laughs> Beisai has four letters. Ishtai has four letters. So just say, Why do you have to be ambiguous? If you tell me Beisai means children, fine. But it doesn't mean children. There's no condition that a God must have children. Gvurasari here in Mesech Yuma has a long arichas proving that Beisai doesn't mean children. Beisai means a wife. So why is it have to say the about Just say the about Ishtoi. Again, if Beisai would mean a wife and children, okay, so you say Beisai. You don't want to elaborate more. Tersh Baksav is very brief, but it means your wife, so just say Ishtoi. Very often, the Chumash is written very concisely, very brief, and the Chazal and Tarish elaborate, they explain. I understand that. But here, you're not gaining anything. It says Beisoy, and they just add one word, Ishtoy. So could have said Ishtoy. Why? So you say, that's how the Torah is written. Well, why? Whenever the Torah says something clearly, it's clear. When the Torah says something ambiguously, and the Chazal have to explain what it is, we have to understand why this halacha does the Torah choose to express in an ambiguous, nebulous term, and Torah Peh has to define it. So if it's about elaboration, I understand, but here it's not about elaboration. It's substituting basic for Ishtar. Muzmen zagen, as mitinvart beisay is the Torah oisin zagen an inyan in ishtay. Was is ungedeited mitinvart beisay. That says that the Torah zagte nitnar dem etem din as the kain gadol davzayin an nasi. Nor zagte yichadas is mitzadem was damos dafke hater beisay. The milo meyichadas from ishtay viziz beisay. And of course, the answer is that this word beisay captures the whole mitzvah. The Torah doesn't just want to say that he has to have a wife. The Torah explains why he has to have a wife. And that's where the Torah uses the word Beisoy, not Ishtar. Because the Torah is not just telling you that he has to be married. It's explaining to you because Ishtar becomes Beisoy, because he has a home. That's why it says Beisoy. That gives us the definition of the mitzvah, the explanation behind the mitzvah, the backbone behind the mitzvah. What does this mean? To verstehen or the Meile von Beisoy zu Ishtar. To understand what this means, that the Kohen Gadol and Yom Kippur has to have a home. That would have not been understood with Ishtar. It has to be a Kohen Gadol who has a home. To understand this, the whole Torah is connected. So to understand why the Torah says Beisai, and Chazal have to say Ishtar, let's look what bias means. What does a home mean? So we have a Gemara in Shabbos, Dav Kof Yud Ches, Amir so 
Rabbi Yossi said, I never called my wife my wife. I always called my wife my home. Rashi says, why? Because the wife is Ikrishobai. She's the foundation of the home. I didn't call her my wife. I called her my home. And he's also when it came to his field. The Pasuk says, V'raftfu was b'kayachshar. The abundance of grain. The Pasuk in Mishla Yudalat, Proverbs 14, Shlomo says, the abundance of grain comes because the power of the ox. The bulls, the oxes, if they're not plowing and toiling the ground, the earth, there's no way it's going to grow. And afterwards, there's the threshing that they must do. So the abundance of grain comes by Kayaksher. So he says, I never called my ox my ox. I called my ox my field. What does this mean? In Pluga Shvetsa Fashte. The Maimon for the Biosi come besugisham and ain hemshech. Ubebele and ain teichem a shutaf mit nach my manum for the Biosi vegan an hagus tevis. Unzihides vehidudim in vazbashte de maile vehidu von atter an hagus anu von nishti basil sherisot. If you learn that sugi in Shabbos, Davkuf Yudches, Rabbi Yossi is talking about various beautiful, moral, ethical behaviors, Hidurim, Zahirisin, that he did to bring out a higher standard of living. For example, he says, I never refused my friends. My friends asked me to do something, I did it. He speaks about the fact that he never backed off, he never, he never, he never, uh, uh, deceived anybody. If he made a promise, if he said something, he remained committed to it. He speaks about his levels of modesty. He speaks about the five cedar trees that him and his wife brought to the world. He had five children who lit up the Jewish world. Five cedar trees. Part of this, he says, I never called my wife my wife. I called my wife my home. Okay. Very nice, Rabbi Yossi. You had a name for your wife. My home. You didn't want to say my wife. You said my home. What's the uniqueness here? What what's is this like a higher standard of living? What's the hidr? What's the grace of hidr? And he says, I never called her my wife. And what happens if you would have called her your wife? Even if Rashi says that he wanted to bring out that his wife is not his wife is the foundation of the house, of the home. Beautiful. So he would call her my home. But he, he says much more than he says, like I never called her my wife. It sounds like if at one point he called her his wife, he called her his wife, it's a, something is missing. Why? I never called Ishti Ishti. And if you would have called Ishti Ishti, Marash, what's the big deal? The beer in them. The explanation is as follows. In a derhan hagifun abyoisi, driktzich oizain derechen avoid, viezet de gansabriya. This behavior of Rabbi Yossi, it's not just about his wife. It rep- it's also about his wife, of course. It represents a way of living, a way of looking at the world. Wie man mit Sacken, wenn ich andere Mitzwiss. 
weil Kiddushin bin Nisuin sei ein Narra Hagdame wachane zum Iker v'tachlis, was kommt später durch ein Kiyom von Mitzvahs Pruvervu. I'm going to read Yiddish, some Yiddish, and then I'll explain. Und der Mit hat sich ausgeteilt, Rabbi Yossi's Hanhage von Hanhage's Chaveref. Bei anderen Hanhagem ist gewöhnt, Seiten, Yamim, was Kadisili ishti ishti. Sie haben gesehen, dem Inyen von ishti, Kshala Atzmoi. On und feidem Tachlis von Beisi. Weil das ist euch, der Rechung Schiffes Alpiteure, wenn wir gefunden haben, den Beteure, Noki Yiele Beisi, wird kennen sein, wie Simach es ishti, dem ersten Jahr. Gleich von den Suyen an, nach Fahrer lädt es Bonn. Aber der hat gesagt, wie bei der Gallen, wie Chuli, wie Simmich es ist, bis das befreit Bemande von gewissen anderen Chiefen. Ich will, ich sage, ich kann es schreiben, und beklau den Jannem Alpiteure in Chayen des Suyen von Ich, wie ich, für sich allein. Rabbi Yossi aber hat gehabt an anderen Seder und Derch. Die ganze Metzies und seine Chayen des Suyen ist gewesen, Neubach, der zu Mekheim sind im Zivil von Pruer, wo? Eis finden die Kavone von Leila, Tayu, Bra, Ella, Shavas, Yitzara. Hat er in dem Inyen, Rabbi Yossi was a type of person that in everything he saw its ultimate potential. In other words, he saw every person and every reality in the world, not just superficially. He saw the potential that is contained within it the power that it has in the future, and that already became the reality that he perceived today. Not just that he saw that the world has purpose and meaning. Everything has purpose and meaning. But he can already see behind the, beyond the facade, beyond the superficial layers, and look at every person, every moment, every experience, every encounter, every reality, and see its full future potential. In other words, its essence, what it's capable of. Not what you are, what they say, a great teacher doesn't only see what you are, but sees who you are in your deepest level, in other words, what you can become. And as he continues, The Gemara says in Tamid, Alexander the Great asked the sages, Tamid Lamed Beis, who's a wise person? They said somebody who sees the future, he sees what will be born. The Pidush apostle in them is as the Chacham versteht und weiß in jedem Ninjen was was wird Neulad werden davon. Aber der Diuk in dem ist er steht nicht die Idee ist an Neulad, Maven, nor Reyes an Neulad. So sag mir wie die Diuk in Havana. The Chacham zet dem kommen die kein Neulad Punkt wie alle sind die Sachen was einen schon da bepeil. Es ist doch eine Dame Schmierlerie. Hagamas die Schmier ist an der Mitte des Betachles und an der Zeit Teuke was peilt bei Menschen. Ich finde Menschen, aber der Chum ich finde bei Israel Schmuer, Maschmuer, Schamau, Ba. Von deswegen, wenn er soll nehmen, die Sache beschleunigen muss, hat er jüster gedacht, kommen und sehen mit den eigenen Augen, weil er nicht da immer schmilert hier. Und dann besteht der Meile von Achachem. Als Koyach sich leuchmier, ist er so stark, als er wird ein Reues haben, nicht nur die Idee der Meile. Who is a wise person? Somebody who sees the future. What does this mean? It means that he sees the outcome. He has long-term vision. He sees the ramifications. But the real point is he sees it. Not he knows it. Not he understands it. You know, when you see something, it changes you in a different way. It mesmerizes you. It becomes such a deep certainty that becomes entrenched in you. Seeing is believing. You can't compare hearing something and seeing something. Even those of us who understand the future, we understand it. 
It's like it happened already. And therefore the impact is a much different impact, a different maturity, it's a different level of depth, it's a different level of living. Because what is going to happen in 5 years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 is a result of your behavior. I see it as though it happened already. You know, when I eat this piece of food, I already see the results 10 years down the line. You live a different life. Hey, this takes Chachmah. Not just you know it, you understand it, you figure it out. But it's like see. Comes Rabbi Yossi and he tells us something. When a person gets married, what do I see? I call my wife, my wife. I call my husband, my husband. That's wonderful. That's what all the Tanayim did. They called Ishti, Ishti. Your wife is an individual person, your husband is an individual person, you need to respect each other, enjoy each other, celebrate life, and I'll be tired. The first year after marriage, the Torah says, husband doesn't go, doesn't travel, doesn't go to the army, he has to be there for his wife to celebrate with his wife. What Rabbi Yossi was saying is, that when the moment I saw my wife, I didn't only see a wife, another person, of course, I saw my home, I saw somebody who's allowing me to create a home, who creates our home together. You know, one of the greatest people mista- mistakes that people make is it's a husband and a wife, and hopefully they get along. What Rebiosi was saying is, no, my wife is not just another person I should get along with, I should respect. Without my wife, I'm homeless. She takes a house and she turns it into a home. She takes a physical space and she turns it into an environment that transcends us individually, and it becomes an infrastructure that creates eternity. And that's expressed, hopefully, with God's grace when there's children, which is what allows the husband and the wife to become larger than life, to become part of a story of eternity that transcends my ego and your ego through something larger that unites us. And that is the institution of marriage, the home, the bias. That's what the woman creates. The Gemara says in Yevamas, Rabbi Yossi asked what does it mean a woman is a help for her husband? He says, you bring the raw wheat into the home. You bring the raw flax into the home. Nobody eats raw wheat. She turns it into bread. She turns it into processed clothing. What does he mean? So the Rebbe said over this Gemara, it means you can bring the money into the home. You can rent the house. You can build the house. Her husband does amazing things. But it's the woman's magic. It's the woman's energy that takes the raw material and takes a house and turns it into a home. Takes two people and turns it into a unit of marriage that ultimately al- allows for the creation of, of, of children, of generations, of eternity. And it's not easy for every man to let go. It's a vulnerable experience. You have to allow your wife to sculpture your lives together into a home. It's a vulnerable experience. You got to let go. You have to go of that bubble, of that ego, of that insecurity, of spacing out, of detaching, of... of <laughs> Of all the different things that we do as a result of, of our own traumas or other issues that we have to work on and allow her to turn you into something larger than yourself as she turns herself into something larger than herself. And now you're, you're one, you're biased. The bias is not her or him, it's a home. Whose home is this? It's what happens from the synergy of the husband and the wife together as one unit. Life has a lot of stress, life has a lot of pressure. What allows a husband and a wife to deal with every, all, every curveball that comes your way? It's when you're not two separate people anymore. It's when you're together. doesn't mean you don't have different personalities. Rabbi Yossi is not saying, I obliterated my personality. You my person. 
but there is something transcendent that unites you together. We are a united friend. It's not you and me, hopefully we'll get along, we should respect each other, we should listen to each other. Of course, that's the basics. But there's something much deeper. You're really, really working together. You know, sometimes a husband thinks, I'm going to win the argument and I'll prove her wrong and I'll be right and I'll be happy. If you proved your wife wrong, you proved yourself wrong. You're amputating part of yourself. As we're going to see soon from the Zoya, a husband and wife are two halves of, of one body, of one soul. So you won the argument. You managed to triumph over your wife. You managed to triumph over your husband. Okay, so you amputated half of yourself. Wonderful. You're a genius. We'll put you in the Guinness Book of World Records. You're not going to be successful. You, real marriage is a space where ultimately there's so much tr- there's trust, there's loyalty. You're one team. You're working together because it's a home. It's a bias. Not just, I respect her, I respect him. Of course you respect her, you respect him. But you're respecting your home. And if you're embarrassing your wife, you're destroying your home, you're destroying your foundation, you're destroying your essence, you're destroying the space that that we can call home, that turns you into something larger than yourself, makes you part of the story of eternity. That's what the Rosh says in Ksuvahs, we don't make a bracha before marriage. He says, because the tachlis is not just, we're going to go home and be two people together. Amazing. The tachlis is pruervu. Pruervu means if God, hopefully God will bless the couple and give them children. In other words, they create something that's larger than themselves. The marriage is the beginning of the mitzvah. But the culmination of the mitzvah is that we create something that's a foundation. We create a new infrastructure, a new institution of divinity in this world. That's called a bias. And that's what the wife does. She does it organically. She does it instinctively. She does it with her very essence. She takes the materials, the flow of energy of herself and her husband, and it becomes a bias. Rabbi Yossi saw the first moment he saw the potential, his potential and his wife's potential, he said, I never looked at her just as my wife. I saw her as my home. Without her, I'm homeless. And it doesn't mean homeless, that you're not, you could rent a house and live there. But I'm homeless in the sense I have a house, but do I have a home? Rabbi Yossi says, Because he saw the full, full glory, the full potential. She's not just a person I have to respect. She's not just a person I'm living with like in a dormitory. She's not just a person I have to get along with. Tell her a person I like. Yeah, all that's true, amazing. And, 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 and other Tanoim did call their wife their wife. But from the first moment, he saw the ultimate, that this is a bias. This is something every Hassan and Kala have to learn, but it takes a lifetime to understand this. Because everybody who has a good marriage, a successful one, knows the truth of this. It's like you, you know this in your kishkes, right, when you hear it. It's challenging because to go out of your individual ego and transcend your comfort zones is difficult. The Rebbe says, Why do we, I always thought that we pick up a chasen and a kala by a wedding for fun. Put them on the shoulders, you put it on the table, on the chair. But the Rebbe says, No, it's very, very deep. Because how do you take two people who have different natures and often are opposites? A marriage is a paradox. It's bringing two people. That's why if you leave a marriage on its own, if you don't reinvigorate it, they naturally drift away. You have to constantly reinvigorate it. It's like pouring more oil for the fire to be sustained. How do you bring them together? He says you have to lift them up. That's why at a wedding we lift them up to become larger than themselves. You have to allow yourself to be sculptured 
into something infinite, into something divine, into something larger than yourself. And it's daily work, it's daily meditation. It's da- this is Avodah Hashem. May oilam like karisi lishti ishti, ishti beisi. That's what Rabbi Yossi is saying. Ah, ezo chachem That's why, what's the line he says right before in Gemara? I created five cedar trees in Israel. Because with such a marriage, there's different types of children. Rabbi Yossi never just saw his wife as an individual, and now let's work on this relationship so we can have a good time together. That's wonderful! But Rabbi Yossi always understood what's at stake. A good marriage is the creation of eternity. A good marriage is the creation of a divine home in this world. That's what he saw. It's a different level. How, he ar- how you argue with your spouse when you understand this is very different. Not just you see your spouse as an important person. You see your spouse as everything. It's everything. It's the most important thing in the world. So he says from this, that's why right before this he says, And it's, this is true about his wife, but the point is he saw this in everything in, the, in life. He saw an ox, he didn't just see an ox. He saw how an animal, each animal plays a role in the fulfillment of God's purpose. That's what he saw in everything. He saw its ultimate potential, even when you're dealing with an animal, whatever you're dealing with. That's the Chiddush. Ah, if this is the case, we could now appreciate why the Kayin Gadol has to be married on Yom Kippur. And the Torah says, Let's take a look, Sif Hey. Take a look, Sif Hey, 176. Torah doesn't say ishtoi, beisoi, vechim badoi bad beisoi. Das meint, der haben bepoil ishtoi in an oifen von zende minyu von ishtoi in an alz beisoi. Und das is a shleimus amaylo, was kum zu euchen im alein, vich hazal zogen, kol mi shein loi bayis, einoi odom. Durch haben a bayis, der gerechte zu maylos odom. The father is a Torah, but I can say, I'm lost in Beisoi. But they say, I'm not going to 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 say, At the moment of holiness, the peak of holiness, Yom Kippur, the Kohen Gadol has to transcend every level of ego. Who is he representing? He's representing the Jewish people. How can he do it? Only if he has a real marriage where his wife became his home. We appreciate his wife, not just as another person, but without his wife, he has no space in the world. He allowed himself to be transformed from an individual, small person living in his own orbit into a home, a bias that allows for children and grandchildren for generations. It allows for eternity. In other words, there is a vibe of dedication, of love, of commitment, of eternity in the home. Beisizuishtan. A Kohen Gadol who has a home, he could represent the Jewish people on Yom Kippur because how could you represent Klal Yisrael if you're not a Klal? A wife allows you to go from a Prat into a Klal. From my wife, she's my home. And it allows you to transcend your individual, individuality in the, in the sense of selfishness, even spiritual selfishness, into something larger than yourself. 
The Gemara Chazal say whoever the, a person doesn't have a bias is not an Adam. Why not? Because a bias is not just a physical space to sleep in. I have a bed. That's also important. A bias means a place in which you become the ultimate Adam. Uh, the, the great wife, the Rebbe said in the Sikhaven, she builds up her husband into something much deeper than he could have ever achieved on his own. She somehow, she somehow could reveal his essence. His real Adam, the ultimate Adam, that Adam, the ultimate Adam al comes to a bias. And the Gemara says, in Yavamas, Kal Adam Shain Isha Ene Adam. Yavamas Samach Gimel. The Zoyar says, Vayikrishmam Adam is only together, Zachar and Akeva. Why? You could be a wonderful person when you're not married. We all know wonderful people who are not married. Some people didn't find their soulmate. They're wonderful people. They're not bad people. But there's something about the relationship. The spouse brings out the Adam from the husband and from the wife. The spouse manages to bring out a part of you, your atzmius, your core, that transcends what you know about yourself. And this takes surrender, it takes vulnerability. And the Kain Gadlan Yim Kippur, to reach that ultimate Kedusha of transcendence, he has to transcend himself in his individual life through his marriage. Not just that he has a wife, he has Besa, he has a home. Then he could represent Klal Yisrael. Then he's not just an individual, then he's somebody who represents the Jewish people. This is the beginning. From this, we'll have a whole new understanding in the end of Mesech Yuma and see Rabbi Akiva's revolution in Shuva. And who built Rabbi Akiva, if not his wife? See you later, 9 o'clock p.m. this evening, right here on theyeshiva.net. And we will continue this beautiful, extraordinary Hadrin on Mesech Yuma. Have a beautiful day. Let me take a few questions. Okay, the first question is, very good question, what about a couple that doesn't have children? Rabbi Yossi had five children, but what about a couple that's not blessed with children? Does this not apply? Is there no marriage? Is there no basi? No, I don't think that's the point. Of course, we hope and we bless and we pray that every couple should be blessed with children, but sometimes, for whatever reason, a couple is not blessed with children, but it doesn't mean they don't have a home just a different type of home, because just like there's children biologically, there are children spiritually. There's pruvu, the famous Vart of the Alter Rebbe, the Balatani said, the first mitzvah of Torah is pruvu. Pruvu means the first mitzvah is to have children. So he said, the first mitzvah of Yiddishkeit, what's the first mitzvah Hashem gives a person is? Ayid nochayid. The first mitzvah is, a Jew needs to make another Jew. So there's creating a, another Jew biologically, physically, is creating another Jew spiritually. Building a home of course, is expressed one way through physical children, but it's expressed in creating a space in the world where eternity lives, where there's giving, where there's sharing, where it's not just the individual person or persons living there, but it becomes a bias, it becomes an infrastructure, a foundation of Kedusha in the world, a foundation of goodness, of morality that gives to people. There's physical children, but every couple, whatever their situation is, they're all mashpim, everyone gives, everybody creates. I once said that there were five of the great G'dayli Yisrael after the Holocaust who, who, who changed the world each in their own way and were not blessed with children, but they had thousands of children, maybe millions of children. Yeah, you had the Rebbe, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, didn't have biologically children. You had the Satmerov, he had a daughter, but she predeceased him. When he passed away in 79, he didn't have children. The Satmerov, Rebbe Yoel, he had the Chazonish, no children. Chaim Ezeg Radzenski, the Rebbe Vilna, passed away in 1940. Again, he had a daughter, predeceased him. No children. 
the Gary Rebbe, the Beis Yisrael, built up, built up the Chassidish world Gary in Eretz Yisrael after the war, passed away without children in 1977. The Belzer of Reb Aaron, he had a nephew, the present Belzer of Shlita, he himself passed away without children. Sometimes people are not blessed with children, and it's, it's very painful, it's very sad, it's, it's difficult. But the point of the Sikha is that each and every one of us creates, each and every one of us gives, each and every one of us teaches. When we give, we give our money, we give our souls, we give our spirits, we give our love, we give our wisdom. We create people, we enlighten people, we bring light to people's lives. That's also called children. That's number one. Number two, the point here is not only when they have children. The Kohen Gadol doesn't have to have children on Yom Kippur. Beisai is from the moment of marriage. Beisai means that the marriage is not just a selfish thing. Not even a spiritually selfish thing. I don't mean selfish narcissist. Not even a spiritually selfish thing. That a, a woman takes a house and turns it into a home. Into a unified, integrated whole. A place even before there's a child. Yes, obviously when children are there, it becomes manifested in the most conspicuous way. But it's about the quality of the husband and the wife working together as a team whether they will be blessed biologically with children or be blessed with other opportunities in the world. Next question. I, I, you understand what I'm saying? Basically, it's not just when you have a child that becomes a bias. No, even the day after the wedding, can't have a child yet. You have to wait nine months. Even then he called her Basie. Why? See, because he saw the future. What did he see in the future? Not just he saw in the future, there will be children. Hopefully, yeah. But he saw in his wife and in himself the potential here that this is going to become a home, a foundation, something larger than ourselves, something that becomes a conduit for eternity, for transcendence, for divinity in this world. How that will be expressed? It could be expressed in many ways, and it's expressed even before they have children. It's expressed in the type of lives they live with each other, the type of respect they have for each other, the type of home they create for themselves and for the people who walk into their home. Okay, next question. You ask about the view of the Ritva. The Ritva says in the name of the Ra, in the name of his Rebbe, the Ramban, that he holds that Menatayda, there's no obligation for the Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur to do only the Avaidah Sayyam that are connected to Yom Kippur. But let's say the carbon Tamid, or the Avaidah of every day, is kosher, even if a regular Kohen does it, even though it's a mitzvah of the Kohen Gadol does it, but it's not Leikuv, it's not essential. That's the Shittas Ritva. Which he discusses at length, the Kesef Mission discusses it in Rambam Hilchas Avodah Right. So, so, the, so the truth is that everybody holds that it's mitzvah tfei kind gadol. The question is how important that is, how 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 intrinsic that is. But everybody holds it's a, it's a great mitzvah kind So you're asking that according to this this ritva, it still makes sense according to the sicha because he says it's more of a mitzvah to do with the kind gadol, but it's not essential. Yeah, I think I think you're 100 percent right. The question, though, is the marriage piece, right? Is the marriage piece necessary in all the Avaidas? In other words, even if you say that all the Avaidas have to be with the Kayin Gadol, or at least it's a bigger mitzvah for the Kayin Gadol, do all the Avaidas need the marriage piece? So if you say it's a din in the Avaidah of Yom Kippur, the Avaidah of Yom Kippur needs this type of Kayin Gadol. The Avaidah demands it. Fine, I get it. Just like the Avaidah demands a Kayin Gadol, the Avaidah demands a married Kayin Gadol. What the Vart knows is, it's not a din in the Avaidah. The Avaidah of Yom Kippur is fine without it. It's the Kayin Gadol. It's a din in the Kayin Gadol on Yom Kippur. The Kayin Gadol is doing the Avaidah on Yom Kippur. He has to be in this state. It's, it's about him. It's his definition. 
It's, it's, it's his description, it's his mile, it's his shleimus. That's the shayla. The Shagasari declares, if Bechlali has to be married about all the Avedis of Yom Kippur, could be even in the Avedis of Yom Kippur, there's a difference. That's the, that's the Shagasari's declare. But here the question is, does he have to be Nasi in all of it? And the Rambam clearly says that all of the Avedis have to be done B'Kayin Gadol, and he adds Nasi. He doesn't just say the Kayin Gadol has to be married. All the Avedis have to be done B'Kayin Gadol Nasi. So we see clearly what it seems to be the Shittas Haramba. Next question. It says in Medrash Rabbi Rus, that Rabbi Yossi ben Chalafta said, I never called my wife my wife, and I never called my home my home. I called my wife my home, and my home I called my wife. Is that a contradiction, or it's not a contradiction? No. The Medrash is just explaining the Gemara. He's just he's explaining how deep it was. I never called my wife my wife, and my home my home. I called my wife my home, and my home my wife. In other words, there was a complete fusion between the two. He saw in his wife his very home, his very foundation, his very spiritual and emotional space. It's, a, it's an explanation of the Gemara. One of the prohibitions of Yom Kippur is intimacy. How can he fulfill this if he's not married? No, it's not a prohibition on the Kohen God, it's a prohibition on all Jews. The Mishnah says in Yuma, the 8th chapter, that Yom Kippur, it's one of the five things. We don't eat and drink, we don't bathe, we don't anoint ourselves with oil, we don't put on shoes, and we avoid, and we don't engage in intimacy, including the Kayin Gadol, but not only the Kayin Gadol. Does Rabbi Yossi's idea apply to Hashem also? Hashem also, Hashem also married us. Yom Chassanah says, Hashem is the husband, we are the wife. So what happens? Hashem also made a house. He made the world. He allows the Mishkan and the Basamikdash to be built. The whole world was built. But when it's empty and unused, these were all houses. How did they become his home? Through Hashem's wife. They turned his house into his home. And we are those beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. You're jumping ahead of yourselves. We're going to get to this. We're going to get to this. Question. What if the Kohen Gadol had a bad marriage? The requirement that he be married on Yom Kippur doesn't say that it was a good marriage. Would that distract him on Yom Kippur or take him away from the concentration and the Kavana and the Avaida? Okay, listen. How are we supposed to measure this? <laughs> you want that a therapist should interview the Kohen Gadol before? Bring the couple into therapy, yeah, two and a half thousand years ago and find that if it's a good marriage. That's the, the point here is, hoping, we hope that the Kohen Gadol who's a worked-out person, and I know him by his sheni that was very corrupt because the office was for sale, right? The Gemara in Yuma discusses how many Kayim Gadolim went through by his sheni because they all died on Yom Kippur. But, but the real Kayim Gadol is supposed to be the Kaidish Kadashim of the Jewish people. And the ultimate holiness of the Jew is that he, the first holiness is that you have peace with your wife, you have peace with your spouse. So that's, that's our hope. Beautiful questions. Thank you. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.